Hello and welcome to another edition of the Liga Mekis Preview, brought to you by the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm your host, Cesar Hernandez, and today we're going to discuss the Copa por Mexico semis. We're going to look ahead to this weekend's final. We'll chat about the upcoming start of the Liga Mekis season and much, much more. But before we get into that, let me introduce today's guest. You've seen his great work on Liga Mekis through SB Nation. He's one of the go-to journalists when it comes to knowledge about Santos Laguna. And you can also rely on him for some excellent Liga Mekis feminine insight. It's Eugene Rapinski. Eugene, how you doing, man? Doing well, Cesar. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Like like I say uh, to listeners fairly frequently, you know, when you consider everything that's happening, I'm definitely doing fine. Because guess what? I, before we started recording, I was my only big complaint that I've had so far today is just trying to figure out a new laptop. That's about it. So <laughs> I, it's a good problem to have, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I have no complaints. I little I, once again, when you, you consider everything that's happened. I have no complaints. <laughs> well, well, Gene, let's 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 dive into today's show and let's start with the uh, Copa por Mexico semis. Uh, so, quick little recap. So, while Cruz Azul got a place in the final after defeating Tigres through a penalty shootout, Chivas and America, I mean, they basically went through a different shootout of their own as they launched uh, Golazos. In a four to three win for Chivas, we now have Cruz Azul and Chivas in the final. Uh, Eugene, just initial reaction to to these match results. What what, what came to mind when you, when you saw these score lines? It was really the the tale of of two uh, two matches, right? Like the the yeah. Cruz Azul Tigres match. I mean, it had drama at the end, but for the most part, it. it was pretty much what we had come to expect from the Copa por Mexico, right? It was, right. Uh, it, it looked a lot like a preseason tournament. There was some, I mean, there was intensity, of course, but it wasn't nearly as, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't remind me a whole lot of, of uh, like what you would see in a normal Liga Mekis game, let alone, you know, a game with that kind of, of weight attached to it. Um, Chivas and America, however, you know, had pretty much everything that you would expect from a Clásico Nacional. Um, you know, I mean, golazos and, and lead, you know, going back and forth and, and it, just a fun, fun match to watch. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, I guess we could talk about Tigres Cruz Azul uh, a little bit later. But I mean, with, I mean, for those who didn't get a chance to watch the game, Chivas scored within the first 18 to 19 seconds. <laughs> like that's like 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 if like it was kind of funny because I was thinking you know after the Crucisul Tigres game I was like yeah you know that was I could have been a little bit more exciting like like you said Eugene there was a little bit of late drama and like just as I was like settling in I was like all right let's see what oh Chivas scored <laughs> oh like Masias just scored right now this it's it's like all right I guess we're gonna have a good game here yeah and and it proven to be a fantastic match it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean, even for somebody who isn't necessarily a, a fan of either team or doesn't have any sort of allegiances, that was a fun match to watch. I mean, just the the pace and and the the kind of unpredictability that that match had. Um, it reminded me again. It was it was pretty befitting of a Clásico Nacional, and if it, you know, you would have not known that this was anything different. It wasn't a a pre slash mid season tournament um you know kind of kind of thing it, it was it was intense it was fun it was a lot of uh, hard fought uh, uh soccer being played and and as anybody who appreciates uh the the, the beautiful game i think uh, everybody could have enjoyed that match yeah and i feel like we've seen uh, in, in other leagues that have already started up you know 
and we've seen this in the MLS's back turn as well, that you can still have these exciting matches without the fans. Yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate that fans aren't going to be going to these games at any point in the near future, but that's understandable why they should be going to these games in the near future. But I feel like I saw some you know, conversations, some like random tweets like online about people saying like, oh, could these be once the season starts, you know, could these be true classicos? Could you really have real rivalries without, you know, fans in the stands? And I think a lot of people would make a just argument saying that, you know, you do, it, it isn't a true classical unless if you have fans out there in the stands. But at the very least, I mean, like th- this was a preseason game without the fans and it was still pretty thrilling. I mean, yeah, we needed golazos. Like the golazos definitely helped. But <laughs> I, I feel like that's that's promising because even though I have, you know, complicated feelings about Liga Mekis restarting soon, and we'll, we'll talk about that later, you know, there is also a part of me wondering, you know, are these games going to, you know, lack a certain energy, you know, lack a certain uh, kind of atmosphere? Because, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot with Liga Mekis is, you know, some of those high attendances that you see for a lot of these games. So I was I was wondering if that would impact the game a little bit. And obviously will. But at the very least, this kind of gave me hope that, you know what, like I could this could still be a pretty entertaining product on the field, even without the fans. Of course. I mean, I think everybody's in agreement that games with fans and attendance are better. Uh, you yeah. know, th- there's nothing that matches that intensity and passion. Uh, you know, you can pipe in all the crowd noise you want. It's it's not the same. That being said, I think last night got pretty close um, to yeah. to what we would expect uh, from uh, a game with uh, stan- uh, fans in the stands. Um, it, it obviously wasn't the same, but it, you know, it certainly it wasn't. Again, like I said, it wasn't like the, some of the ones we've seen before, where you know it looked like a lot of the players were kind of going through the motions and trying to get into season form and getting subbed out. You know, um, at halftime or at a, you know after playing a certain amount of minutes, kind of kind of thing. It was um, you know both teams really went out went at it and. Um, you know, again, I, I love to see that. I, I love to see that no matter who's playing. Yeah. So focusing on that match, I mean, because that's I mean, that was definitely even even though Cruz Azul and Tigres, I mean, those are two powerhouses themselves. But I think, you know, Chivas America was definitely the highlight of the semifinal uh, you know, series. You know, f- for you, what, what were some of the lessons you feel like you learned or some of the takeaways or perhaps some individual players that you want to highlight uh, from that Chivas America game? I think. I think for Chivas, you have to look at players like Brizuela, players like Saldivar, who, you know, have kind of not had the best reputation among Chivas fans. Um, yeah. And I feel like they went out at least last night in the biggest game that we've seen in a while and really proved themselves, really proved their worth. And, um, you know, hopefully that will help endear them to their own fans. Um, for America, I, I feel like, you know, you have to, to look at Cordoba, right? Like that kid is, that kid is special. And uh, I say kid, he's 23, but, uh, you know, he really proved, um, what he can do. I thought Ibarwin, uh, somebody else who kind of has historically for America gotten overlooked a little bit, but the goal that he scored last night. For him to go and, you know, recover that ball and then just go down and score was, yeah. you know, pretty amazing. And again, I hope that's something that will help endear him to his fans. Yeah, for me, I, I, I definitely agree. And I think going back to Chivas, I mean, for me, 
mean, it's just it's, it's, it's just that attack, you know. And as we've seen in, the, in these Copa but por Mexico games, it looks like I don't know. Maybe maybe the starting eleven is is kind of being set in stone here, and maybe you're going to see more of that fantastic combination that we saw between Alexis Vega and Angulo and Macias for that one goal. I mean, that mm. that, that that goal that they scored, I mean, that movement that they had, that looked like players who've been playing together for like a handful of years, <laughs> you know, like like players who just like on, on a different level there with their with their connection. So I, I think that's for me, that that's what what stood out a little bit. And I think that, I mean, you talked about Brizuela, you talked about you know Zaldivar, who ended, who ended up coming off off the bench, and we see that Chivas bench, which is pretty talented. And I think I think what's promising for Chivas is that you know I, I feel like they have such a deep squad, but that was somewhat of an issue at the in early 2020 because everybody was talking, about, oh, the Super Chivas, the Chivas Galacticas. I know people were kind of saying that <laughs> with a little bit of a raised eyebrow, or a little bit of it, like kind of like just kind of like poking fun, I guess, a little bit. But I think it was almost it's it's. It's strange because I'm gonna because later on I'm gonna talk about Cruz Azul and I'm gonna be like, wow, I'm gonna say like, wow, they have such incredible depth and that's what's gonna help them. But with Chivas in early 2020, I felt like they had they had so much depth they didn't know what to do with it and they were just like, all right, how do we find room for all of these players? Like, what is what is the best solution? Because of course, you know, when Chivas went out went out of the Copa uh, Copa Mekis, that was that that should have that Copa Mekis should have had been an opportunity for some of these new players, some of these new options to really make a name for themselves. So then, once they went out, you had to find the right combination within the actual Liga Mekis season. So I feel like that was almost to their detriment, even though they were in a playoff position by the time the season was canceled. So I think that now the team has had time to really fine tune to really you know, figure out what's its ideal 11. And I think it's, I think it's looking pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with this 4-4-2. I know it's not the most exciting formation for some people out there, but I, I think it's working. I, th- I think it's working, but, but for America, I, I don't know. I, 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 I know they scored a few goals uh, last night and yeah, Cordova, I mean, seems to be getting pretty good at shooting from distance, but I, I feel, it feels like, feels it feels like a work in progress i, I i'm not I'm, I'm not convinced by that by that starting by that starting 11 from them i feel like that midfield is not exactly that strong i don't know i don't know i mean i'm not gonna say piojo should be fired because there's some ridiculous people saying that out there because i think piojo is a fantastic <laughs> manager but there's just something a little off about america and I, i'm not entirely sure what it is i i think america at least last night in that match they looked predictable they, yeah, and yeah. I think Chivas really took advantage of that. America kept trying these balls down their left flank, and they were just getting eaten up. Um, yeah. they, they were going nowhere, and, and Chivas was content to sit back and then you know, launch a counterattack or at least recover possession pretty easily. And America looked kind of out of ideas. Um, you know, I think also on a couple of those goals, uh, they got caught ball-watching. The defense just yeah. kind of looked, uh, looked stuck. Um, you know, I'm not trying to take away anything from from that that combo goal, um, the the second goal, um, but as brilliant as it was, America did themselves no favors when they had you know two of their center backs just standing there, uh, you know, out of position, kind of watching everything unfold. Um, so, I, I you know I think that's something that Piojo definitely is going to want to look at and improve upon and and get his players to. Um, you know, kind of remediate, you know, look into why, why was this happening? How can they, you know, if, you know, remind them, look, if you 
try four balls down the left wing and none of them work, maybe try something up the center or switch it out to the right or something, you know, like don't keep, don't send that fifth one up the left wing mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. right away. So um, no, lots of lessons to be taken away for America. Um, uh, you know, I, I think this is the kind of format where you want to, to have these sorts of mistakes, right? Of course, exactly. America fans never like losing the Chivas in any format, in any game, in any competition. But if it's gonna, if you're gonna lose to them, lose to them in a tournament like this, where you can have a lot of takeaways, it's not like it's, you know, th- there's no star or trophy on on the line, right? Uh, maybe there is a trophy, but you know, it's not like <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they, you know, it's not like they blew it in 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 the Liga Mekis final or or you know a CCL final or something like that. It just, you know, it was a it was a preseason tournament uh that they can use as a a learning tool and motivation too you know next time they play each other in the uh, in the apertura go hey remember what happened last time out like we we owe these guys let's let's go and uh let's go and stick it to them that's that's exactly how i feel i mean i think that the if I know it's 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 a it's a technically a copa, although I, I've I've seen some people online you know call it a copita, you know, like kind of like the small <laughs> cup, you know, you know, it, it's, but it's still the preseason. And like you said, like if there was a time and place for for a team to make mistakes, for a team to learn some lessons, it is definitely during uh, this preseason tournament. So I, I think that America fans shouldn't be freaking out just yet. And if anything, yeah, I think some of those issues that we've seen. And I think, I still think there's a Guido Rodriguez sized hole in the midfield too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think some of those issues seen uh, in this, uh, in this preseason can be, you know, just like, like you said, just lessons, you know, leading up to leading up to the next league of Mickey season. But you let's, uh, let's, let's quickly, let's talk about, I mean, let's talk about the other game. Cause there was another semifinal match. Grusasul, Tigris. I mean, I mean, it's kind of a, I, th- I think it's I think it's probably the most obvious question, but I mean, e- despite the fact that I think you know Grusasul are, I mean, I- I'm going to have them I- I'm a little bit of a spoiler for what we're going to talk about later on in the episode, but I mean, I-, I have them as my 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 favorites to to win the title. I mean, after what they did last season, what they're doing uh, this uh, this Copa por México, but a little a little surprising to see Tigres not make the final, right? I-, I feel like that's 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 the big that's that's the big and obvious thing is that Tigres. You know, one of the powerhouses in League of Mechanics, if not the powerhouse and arguably one of the most talented rosters in all of the Americas, you know, they didn't qualify for the finals. That's, that's a little surprising, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm very much in agreement with with pretty much everything you just said. Uh, you know, Cruz Azul, considering what they uh, accomplished last uh, season, considering how they looked in this tournament, um you know, is it surprising that that they're in the final? No, it. You know, but like you said, Tigres is very strong. Uh, they are built to win, built to win now. Um, I think you know that was that was a very uh, very strong matchup, and it, you know, having it go yeah. down to, to penalties, going out in penalties, there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, for that. Um, yeah. You, you know, you might as well at the point just decide it by by coin flip. Um, (laughs) you know, and I, I don't think Tigres has too much to worry about. Um, you know, they, they hung with a very good Cruz Azul team. Um, I think they may be, you know, concerned that they let in a a very late goal, especially when they, you know, were leading, 
um, and um, allowed themselves to get into a position where they had to go to penalties and it w- were ultimately eliminated. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, for, for me, um, again, if you're going to go out in a tournament, this is one you would want to go out in, right? Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing, too, is just that, like, you know, if if if, if Liknovsky didn't score that late equalizer and if Degas, uh, you know, got that one nothing win, you know, I, I feel like the conversation would always be entirely different. You know, if, oh, if, it, was, if, if it wasn't for that late equalizer, you know, the narrative would have been like, oh, you know, Degas, you know, that, you know, despite the fact that Cruz are so powerful, Thigdis are just even more talented than than Cruz Azul. And it's very, very Tuca to get this, you know, not very exciting, you know, but narrow win <laughs> over this powerhouse, blah, blah, blah. And then at, the conversation would probably be like, you know, the only surprise for the night was to see Tuca smile and clap after a goal. You know, <laughs> like that, that, that would be probably the talking point. But, but yeah, just it's, 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 it's a little unlucky for Thigdis. And, and like you said, just it's, I mean, it's, it's penalties, you know, <laughs> and everything kind of everything kind of goes up in the air once it goes to penalties. And it wasn't as if there was extra time, because once again, you know, for those who didn't get a chance to watch the game, you know, you know, there, there is no ac- extra time in these games. As soon as if, as if it's a draw after 90 minutes, go straight to penalties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like, you know, either team won three to nothing and totally dominated the other. It was it was a fairly even match, um, you know, between two of the top teams in the league. I don't think there's any shame in either of them having gone out from that, especially in that fashion. Yeah. So any, any, so, you know, before we look ahead to, you know, whether we think this is kind of like reliable preview of what we're going to see in the upcoming season, you know, for you, for Cruz or Tigres, I mean, any highlights for individual players, any takeaways or for you, the lessons from this match? Yeah. I think one of the takeaways that, that, that for me is that, uh, you know, Shaggy Martinez can still, um, he can still contribute in meaningful ways. When Cruz Azul uh-huh. signed him, I kind of, I, I figured, you know, I mean, Shaggy's getting a little older. I figured this might be a a depth uh, thing, but he was the one that won the uh, the. He was the one that drew the foul that set up the free kick that, you know, uh, got them into, um, you know, got them into penalties. So you know, without him, uh, this might be a completely different conversation. Um, and that, that that's kind of cool to see, right? So, you know, a guy that can still contribute, can still compete at a high level, um, and, you know, obviously one of the more fun players in the league to watch. Uh, in, a, in a league full of characters, Shaggy's definitely a, a character. Yeah, and I think that's actually, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a character. Uh, uh, especially after you saw that, I don't know if you saw, but Scooby-Doo, the, the, the fan who was uh, the Morelia fan, he uh he changed his allegiance over to Cruz Azul. And he, I think there's some video that Cruz Azul posted the the guy in the Scooby suit, and I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, uh, I forget what the exact translation was, but I think it was basically like you know where where Shaggy goes, Scooby goes. Like you know, <laughs> almost like yeah. <laughs> I did see that, and I mean, yeah. I can't blame the guy. I mean, if my team up and left, and I didn't yeah. have anybody to root for but my favorite player, yeah. that's that's where I'm going. <laughs> Uh, but I guess he could root for the, the the second division team. But I mean, I mean, I guess it's a different conversation. But but yeah, but actually, it's I think I think it's a pretty clever addition to bring in Shaggy because yeah, I mean, is 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 he a starter? Could you make the argument he should be a starter for Cruz Azul? I don't know. Maybe if he has a handful of good performances. But I think it's quite clever because if you already have a number of attacking options out there, if you already have a say, it's you know you're 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 it's one to one, and you've already brought on. 
a couple of wingers or maybe brought in some new midfielders. But say the other team's kind of like, you know, sitting back a little too much to defend the lead. I mean, Shaggy, he, he steps in as as a right back that could potentially be another winger, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, so you and so you add a lot more speed. You add a lot more, I would say he's pretty, pretty strong as well. He's pretty good with some of his crossing. So I feel like he's another... Like he's an extra, he's an extra boost to the attack because he takes the position of a of a right back as opposed to let's say a winger. Although you could play him on the wing if you wanted to. So I think it's it's quite clever from Cruz as well. I think you bring him on late into the game if you if you need a little extra boost. So yeah, but either way, it was pretty cool to see uh, Shaggy Martinez out there. I mean, it was good to see Rivero too, um, who moved over from from Cholos. I mean. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just it's kind of ridiculous with Cruz Azul because I mean they're they're gonna get better with with Shaggy, with Rivero, yeah. who 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 could play. He could play. I mean, he could play as a right back as well if needed. He could play as a center back as needed. He could play as a winger. He could play. I think he's at his best as a as a holding midfielder. But I mean, and, and that and that three man midfield for Cruz Azul, he could do. I I feel like he could be quite strong for them. I think he's going to be a very very important player for them. Yeah. Um, we, we okay. saw we, we saw what he did with Tijuana, right? Like we saw yeah. how versatile he was, and that he was able to play several different positions and and play them well. And you know, for for a team like Cruz Azul that's already stacked, that is you know guys like yeah. him and guys like Shaggy are the ones that kind of push them over the, the top, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed. And we'll see what happens with Tigres too, because I mean, the biggest addition was Leo Fernandez. Um, I think maybe he was just a little, a, a little, a little too quiet uh, in that match. But I think there was definitely some promising moments uh, with him and Jinyak up top. And obviously, Leo Fernandez has already provided a, uh, an assist for Jinyak in the Copa por México. Um, but yeah, but they just, they just, they just couldn't close out the game. You know, they just, they just couldn't close it out. And if it were not for that late equalizer from Lignovsky, yeah, we'd be having a very different conversation. But. That there's something that promised it there with the with and then when you look at that roster i mean there's just especially when you consider the fact that uh now uh up to 12th place will qualify for the playoffs i mean you just can't see a scenario <laughs> where they don't qualify yeah. for the playoffs you know that Tigres Tigres will be fine they'll, they'll be fine <laughs> absolutely i mean tigres still has one of the best rosters one of the best coaching staffs on the side of the planet um you know uh that there's a lot to be said for that and there's a lot to be said for using this as motivation uh when the apertura starts right just like america like they're not going to be happy that they they gave up a lead uh late and they're not going to be happy that they went out in penalties and you know if if i'm a player i'm using that as motivation to just go out and destroy everything when when it comes time to to start uh start up again Agreed. Agreed. So we talked a little bit about Tigres Crucial. We kind of looked ahead a little bit there for them. But looking back at Chivas and America, I mean, do we think the recent matches kind of gives us a little bit of a preview of what we might see from these clubs in the upcoming season or maybe just of what they need to fix you know, <laughs> ahead of the upcoming season if we're looking at America? I think both, honestly. Um, I think America has a lot that they can take away from that game that are that are positive um i think that they have some things that they that they absolutely have to work on as well and you know i I think there's a lot you can that can be learned from from both sides of that coin um you know so i i definitely think it's a it's a preview i wouldn't expect to see too much 
different uh, the first game of the season. I mean, obviously, barring any signings or injuries or anything uh, un- unforeseen. Um, however, that being said, they, there are a couple things that they absolutely should work on. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, they, they will address that over the next couple of weeks and, uh, get every next couple of weeks, next, next week, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, be ready to go when, when the season kicks off. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's look ahead to the Copa por Mexico final. Uh, we got Chivas versus Cruz Azul this Sunday night. Uh, let's start with, uh, some players to keep an eye on and I'll start with, uh, I'll start with, uh, Cruz Azul and, uh, I mean, we haven't talked about him yet because I mean, he didn't score or he didn't have an assist, but I mean, undoubtedly, I think someone who could potentially be the key figure here and if not the man, the match on Sunday, like if I, if I had to put some money down, it'd be on Cabecita Rodriguez, you know, he could make something out of nothing. I mean, we've seen how successful he's been. Uh, in the last league of season, we saw you know, his first goal in the Copa uh, por Mexico. I mean, it looked like, I mean, I mean, we talk about this being a preseason tournament. And, you know, you've seen some mistakes being made by players in the attack, players in defense. I mean, Cavacita looks like a man who is very, very, very motivated to continue where he left off in last season. And someone who perhaps is justifiably a little bothered that the season was suspended because he was doing so well with Cruz Azul. I mean, obviously it was suspended for obvious reasons, but just, man, he, he, he just, he, I know he didn't score in the last game, but I feel like in some of these Copa Puerto Mexico matches, he's just been on fire. So I feel like he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. And I think uh, Elias Hernandez too, as someone to keep an eye on for, for Cruz Azul. Cause I think, I mean, on his day, he's 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 the top Mexican winger in Liga Mekis. I feel like because Mexico has so many talented wingers at this moment, because when you when you ask if you were to ask any fan about who are Mexico's best wingers, I mean, they would immediately say, oh, like Chucky, you know, Chucky is one of the best. You know, you know Linus, you know, ha- has a lot of promise, a lot of potential, even though things aren't working out right now. Betis, you know, Vela is obviously still incredible. You would you could talk about. Oh, maybe like, uh, you know, down the line, Efrain Alvarez might be like a really, really exciting prospect. But I feel like people don't give Elias Hernandez uh, enough credit um, because maybe it's because he's a little bit older. Maybe it's because he, you know, he hasn't played in Europe, but on his day, he, he can be the top Mexican winger in Liga Mekis. So I, I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on and someone who also had a pretty good season before it was suspended um, earlier this year. But I feel like I keeping an eye on Cavacita and Elias. Uh, but for you, Eugene, who, who, who are some players to keep an eye on? What, whether it be from Cruzul or from Chivas? Um, well, so for Cruzul, I, I absolutely agree with the two that you've named. Um, you know, Cabecita Rodriguez uh, has really found his niche there at Cruzul. Um, we remember how good he was at Santos a couple of years ago, working in tandem with, with Julio Forch. And I think that he's really kind of found that same kind of groove at Cruz Azul work, working with Milton Caraglio, um, you know, and he has, he's been one of the best, if not the best players in the league over, you know, since the beginning of the year, um, yeah, you know, so uh, definitely him. I think, uh, you know, like you said, Hernandez is another one um, who doesn't necessarily get his due, but is, is a key player for him. Something that I want to watch, uh, and I don't know if consider this a key player or not, but it's going to be Gudinho and how well he did because, you know, I I feel like he's going to be 
challenging, you know, Corona for that starting goalkeeper spot, just based on the performances that he's had. Now, of course, uh, this is a preseason tournament and, and, you know, every argument can be made against that, but you at least have to consider that, right? Or or am I off base on that? No, no, no. I think, honestly, I think if you were to ask Cruz Azul fans, maybe, maybe I'm like reaching here when I, because I'm not a Cruz Azul fan. (laughs) I don't, um, (laughs) I think if you're to ask Cruz Azul fans about like who were some of the best performers from uh, you know, that the recent game, I think a lot of them would point to Gudinho. Not not Chivas's Gudinho, mind you. This is a uh, this is Andres Gudinho. Andres uh, over over Cruz Azul because I feel like they'd probably I mean they probably mentioned like Liknowski because he got the goal. Uh, I, I feel like Gata Dominguez was was pretty good in defense. I think Avasita. I mean he was he was quiet but still was pretty good for the most part. But I think people would say Gudinho. Andres Gudinho would ha- had a very very good performance. So who knows if he'll get some minutes? Who and if he does, I mean the spotlight's going to be on him once again. You know, and for a lot of these players, I mean I talked about this in the last podcast, but for a lot of these players, like this Copa por México, even though some people are calling it the you know the Copita, or some people are just saying like I'm saying it, recognize it's a preseason tournament, but this tournament might be the last opportunity for minutes for a lot of young Mexican talent or a lot of, or just a lot of young talent in general and, and, and all, and, and alt alternates on rosters too, because remember the Copa Mekis isn't going to happen for a full year. Yeah. You're going to have the final, but that's one that was delayed between Cholos and Monterrey. You'll still have that. I think, I think it's September, but you know, with no Copa Mekis, uh, with no, uh, youth minutes rule, in place for the league, like this might be the last chance. <laughs> for this this will be this will yeah. be the last chance for a lot of these for a lot of these younger players. Yes, um, yes. Barring any again anything unforeseen, any injuries, any any situations that may arise. Uh, yeah, this is unfortunately going to be the last uh, kind of professional minutes that, that a lot of these guys get. I, I'm guessing some of them will pick up minutes with the U20s or U23s, yeah. but that's. That's that's not the same, uh, and I think Gudino's done himself a a favor by having such a strong performance. Um, you know, even if he isn't named number one, I think he has a legitimate right to think of himself as the number two over Horado. Yeah, um, and, and that's tough. Yeah, yeah. Horado hasn't really. He hasn't really. You haven't heard much from him uh, since he came here. I would have figured this would have been the place for him to kind of showcase himself and it's really been Gudinho who's who's thrown the spotlight yeah agreed and that, that that'll be an interesting thing too as as the season goes along because I feel like if I if, I, if I'm Crucisol you recognize that Chuy Corona is still one of the most important players in your roster but you have to plan for a transition at some point soon you know yeah. considering his age you have to so He's it'll 39. be yeah so. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um so you ha- so you have to look at the number two and you have to i would imagine you know hopefully this season especially when you consider that up to 12th place you know it gets a spot in the playoffs you know that maybe you'd get to see some minutes for backup so it- it'll be interesting to see whether it's Gudinho or whether it's jurado but i mean like you said i mean I- it could it could potentially lo- be Gudinho the way that it's looking right now <laughs> but for-, for chivas i mean who who are some players for you to keep an eye on because uh, I mean, I guess I could go first, re- really, uh, really quickly here. Because uh, I've been, I've been quite impressed by Angulo. I think he's he's been great on the left wing for Chivas. Uh, I think Macias. I mean, just a true number nine for for Chivas, and really started to click even more with the attack. Um, and I think too, um, 
Jesus Molina, who's who, who's been the captain of the side. And I'm saying this because I'm still not entirely convinced by him, but I'm just I'm but he's proven me wrong before in the past. And I'm it'd be interesting to see if he could prove me wrong once again this Sunday, because going up against that Crucial midfield, it's going to be quite tough, especially when it's a three man midfield and he might be a little overwhelmed in there. Uh, but, but but we'll see. But for you, for you, who are the who are the players to keep an eye on for Chivas this this weekend? So for, for Chivas this weekend, I think it's going to be the center backs. I think, uh, you know, the, the center backs and to some extent the wingers are really going to have their hands full with Cruz Azul. Um, you know, we, we've talked about uh, Cabecita and we've talked, you know, a little bit about Caraglio. I mean, I know people have their opinions on whether he's good or not, but he is, you know, he's certainly somebody you have to at least consider and pay attention to. Um you know, and I think the way that Cruz Azul moves the ball, uh, you know, and, and just how fast they are in getting upfield and, and how they can, they have this knack of turning what seems like nothing into something and then yeah. that something into something very dangerous is going to be overwhelming a little bit for the defense um, for, for Chivas. Because uh, as good as America looked, I think they had America figured out after the first 15 minutes. Seconds? Ha- seconds? Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, was trying to be, I was trying to be nice there, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, had, they, had, they, they really did their homework on, on Club America and you know we're anticipating a lot of the things they were going to try and i don't know if that's going to work against cruises well it might it might uh they may see something um that you know us mere mortals uh don't in in being able to stop them uh and have a plan for it but um yeah it's going to be a tough tough day for them and uh, you know those are the players i'm going to watch i i think you know with cruises and who they have and what they're able to do, um, you know, if you're not playing at your best, it's you know you're just opening yourself up for disaster. Okay, so let's so let's. I mean, this is what people want. This is what the people want to hear. This is why they're probably listening to this podcast. But let's let's go through some predictions and what what we expect from these two finals. So, Eugene, uh, where where are you where are you putting that hundred dollar bet on? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with Cruz Azul, and okay. I'm going to go with Cruz Azul simply because I think Chivas expended a lot of emotional energy against America, and it's going to be super hard to get them back to a place where they have that sort of focus. Um, yeah, it's for a final, but it's also for, you know, like you said, a copita. Um, it's not the same, and I, I think that uh, they might not be mentally as sharp as they were against uh, America, and I think against a team like Cruz Azul, that's just that's just not going to be good enough. Uh, I, I think it's going to be close. I'm not saying Cruz Azul is going to go out there and dominate from the first minute, uh, but I, I do see Cruz Azul uh, coming away with the win. Yeah, I think it's definitely close. Um, I think I think what's crucial uh, for Chivas for me is is that if, if Molina or Beltran don't play at their best, then I mean that then mm. Cruz Azul will just take charge, take charge that midfield and it'll be a pretty easy day for them. But I don't know. I, I feel like I'm definitely a believer in momentum uh, carrying sides uh, through knockout rounds. And I feel like Chivas are, have some pretty good momentum right now. And I feel like 
don't know. I, I, I feel like almost like I do agree. I mean, who knows what's happening behind the scenes and whatnot. But I do agree that the, the bigger emotional toll was definitely through would take it through that America game than through whatever is going to happen this match. But I feel like they can kind of take it easy, I guess, or not not have nearly as much pressure. And I feel like that might benefit them. And they have that momentum from beating America. So I feel like I, I agree that it's, it's, it's going to be a close game. I say it's going to be two to two. And then Chivas go uh, go through on penalties. That's 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 what I'm sticking with because I think that yeah I think you can't overlook Cruz Azul's attack. I think Cruz Azul are definitely capable of getting at least a couple goals in this match. But at the same time, I feel like Chivas's attack has been has been clicking. You know, it's been it's been impressing me a lot, and I feel and it seems that there's already a little bit of chemistry and cohesion with this side. You know, and, and I feel like you're saying you're, you're seeing the same starters for. Uh, and throughout the Copa Puerto uh, Mexico, so I feel like they're going to have that momentum. They're going to have that connection. It's going to be. I, th- I think it's going to be exciting, nonetheless. But I- I'll say, I'll say it's, I'll say it's a close game. Chivas go through in penalties. I th- I, th- I agree that it's going to be very exciting. Um, I will say this. Yeah. There would be nothing more 2020 than Cruz Azul ending the Cruz Azuleada. By not only having the most points at the end of a season that was stopped, but by winning the official, unofficial mid preseason tournament. <laughs> How prestigious. I mean, I'm sure all those all, all those players like growing up, they always dreamed of lifting <laughs> the, the, the Copa Copa por Mexico. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so now uh Moving on, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, I mean, I guess it is. It's a little bit more of a serious topic, but I mean, it's something that has to be brought up because, I mean, as I told Eugene, it's, it's, it's the elephant in the soccer room, man. It's, 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 we, we got to bring it up, and it's the potential impact of the coronavirus and the upcoming Liga Mekis season. Um, I mean, the Copa Bon Mexico went fine for the most part, but then again, we have to remember that Mazatlan had positive tests before facing Chivas. Um, but, and also, and- I mean, so that's exactly not, I, ideal situation those were just 18 eight teams as well so there was no travel now that it's very very different with the upcoming season and and we've seen positive cases for teams in the past and just within the last few days we saw chivas manager Luis fernando tena test positive we also saw four referees test positive too so i mean the big question is i mean is is it, is it, is it safe to start the upcoming season next week because i if, if, if i was in charge I, I i know obviously i'm not but i i, I don't know if i would would start the season. I don't. We'll, we'll see how how it goes. Is it safe? No. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not safe. Um, you know, that's the long and short of it. It's how much risk, how much reward is worth the risk. You know, and how much risk is there? Um, I think Mexico, at least from from what I've been able to 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 pick up, um, from from reading news reports and, and that sort of thing, is is doing as bad or worse than the United States in terms of managing the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not very comfortable with games restarting here in the U.S. I'm not very comfortable with them restarting in Mexico. Um, You know, this isn't a situation like South Korea or in large parts of Europe where they've managed this. They they have all sorts of, you know, on-demand testing with, with results and hours and it's free to everybody and you know, all sorts of safety protocols in place. It seems that, unfortunately, Mexico has kind of followed the U.S. lead just by, you know, hoping everything's 
gonna just work itself out and it and it hasn't yeah um, so no no it's it's absolutely not <laughs> yeah. safe um I, I you know I, i'm glad that they're not planning on having fans in the stands um i mean that's something that can be done to help mitigate some of the risk but you know you're still dealing with players that have to travel and referees and coaching staffs and you know all of the all of the sorts of people that go into making a game day experience happen uh, still have to adhere to safety protocols and have to make sure that they're you know keeping distance and wearing a mask and getting tested and um, you know I don't think I don't think that that's really the reality um, on, on the ground uh, from from all the reports that I've, I've read uh, so you know am I going to watch it yes uh, yeah. do I think do I think this should go on no I, I really yeah. don't I, I feel like that's that's the consensus I feel like a lot of fans feel because I feel like I feel like we're allowed to feel both ways because that's because that's how I feel I feel very very you know, worried about the players, about the staff, about everybody being involved in this. But at the same time, there's also a part of me that's excited that League of Mackies is going to return. So, yeah, if, if it were up to me, I would would not be doing this. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that League of Mackies executives and, and team owners are not watching USL right now because they'll see some fans in the stands in those games, which is just oh absolutely, absolutely baffling. That's that's really bizarre. But um yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it seems like in order to to compensate for any financial losses, it looks like uh, I mean, we talked about in the last episode, but uh, I think it was on Monday's episode, of the Mexican Soccer Show, actually. Um, when you look at the Liga Mekis Liga schedule, you see that all the Clásicos are scheduled in the second half of the season. So I think what they're going to try to do is try to bring fans in uh, later on in the year. So because obviously, I think that's why they have uh, the, the classical scheduled for for later on. But we'll see where we're at, and you know, a, a few months down the line, you keep your fingers crossed, everything gets better. But I mean, that's what I've been saying for the for a handful of months now, <laughs> and, and it's still not, it's still not getting better. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's not safe. It's it, the league's definitely rushing way too quickly to bring this back in, but. You just keep your fingers crossed that the protocols work. You keep your fingers crossed that that you don't have some sort of outbreak, you know, due to these games. Um, and I don't know it's just yeah. it's it, it, it's it's a complicated situation. You know, it, it, it's very, very complicated. It, it absolutely is. And I think you said something that that I think people really need to hear. It's OK to feel conflicted about this. Oh, yeah. It's OK oh, yeah. to be excited that you know, this league is returning, this league that we all love to watch, uh, that our favorite teams and our favorite players are going to be playing again. That's, that is exciting. And there's nothing wrong with being excited for that. But, you know, you can also at the, at the same time be worried, uh, for their health and for the health of, you know, again, everybody who goes into making a soccer game, uh, happen and think that this is probably not the best idea. Like it's like, that's okay. Like I, certainly wrestle with that and i'm sure you and i uh Cesar, are not alone in kind of dealing with how do i compartmentalize these feelings like it's it's fine like you know these games are going to happen you might as well enjoy them but you also realize that this could potentially you know bring about something uh that is not good for the sport for for persons and you know um it, you just kind of have to, you know, you can accept that. Like, it's it's fine. Yeah. 
Agreed. 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 So Eugene, let's let's end this on on a positive note. I want to get your quick thoughts on the next League of Mickey season, uh, whether it finishes uh, or not. But let's uh, I, I want to hear your early favorites for three different categories. Okay. And let's start with your early favorite for which team uh, is more than likely going to lift the title. So I'm going to say Cruz Azul. And yeah, I, I agree. That, I know that's the one you were going to say. I was yep. really trying hard to pick somebody different. Oh, maybe America, maybe Tigres, maybe, you know, Rayados can, can pull their stuff together. I, I just, I don't see anybody who has been as consistently good and at a kind of another, a whole different level than everybody else like Cruz Azul. I mean, we saw that yeah. during the Clausura. They, they just ran teams off the pitch it was you know night and day sometimes watching watching them play and i think that they've pretty much done the same thing in the scopa they've they've you know yes there's been rust to to shake off and they haven't looked sharp at times but you know they found a way and and they just seem to be such a strong team i you know i i have to feel like you have almost have to pick them as your early favorite i mean it's 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 too easy it's too easy, and, and not. I'm not saying it's too easy for them. I'm just saying it's just it's just way too easy to like. All signs are pointing at Cruz Azul because regardless of Sunday's result, the top team from the suspended season just got better, and they've shown that in the in the current preseason. You've seen that Cavacita is still in fine form in this preseason tournament. You now have Shaggy Martinez. You now have Rivero. It's 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 just very it, it's 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 almost too easy to choose them like you can't like you said like how can you not choose them it's gruesome that doesn't mean they're going to win it but it because as we've seen you know league of mechies you gotta league of mechies is predictably unpredictable you know <laughs> so but i i think you have to stick with cruz Soul. I, I think yeah i agree you just you just have to stick with cruz Soul for the early for the early uh favorite for for winning the league title but for you, who's a who's a who's a dark horse? Maybe someone to keep someone to keep an eye on uh, when it comes to another team that could uh, sneak past Cruz Azul and steal the championship. I'm gonna go way out in left field. I'm gonna say Tijuana. Yeah, nice, I'm nice. Gonna say, I'm gonna say Tijuana, um, and I, I think the I think Tijuana had a pretty decent lineup last uh, season in, in the in the uh, Clausura. And with them, you know, however you want to frame it, acquiring a lot of players, a lot of the good players uh, back from Queretaro. They benefited um, from it from the sale of Queretaro, let's just say that. Yeah. Yes, yes, they did. Um, they pretty much raided uh, Queretaro for a lot of their, their, their best players. And, you know, I think, I think that is going to put them into a category where a lot of teams are going to have to really start paying attention uh, to them and to what they can do. Um, you know, I, I definitely think they're going to be a team that, that could start off of a lot of people's radar. And then, you know, by week six, seven, be up in the top, you know, three, four of the league and have a lot of people scratching their heads. But um, yeah, I mean, they weren't bad before and they went out and, you know, they brought back Nahuapan and they, they were able to get, uh, who were some, you know, some of the other players that they got, I'm trying to blank, which is great. Mar- Marcel Ruiz, uh, Ruiz. Jonathan Orozco. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, so this is going to be a Cholos a, a team that's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. 
Yeah, Eugene, we're on the same page here, man, because I'm going, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going with Cholos too. I mean, it's that's also another easy one because you know when you're looking at, you saw that you know Querétaro was sold, and then Cholos were like, hey, welcome, Marcel Ruiz, welcome back, Nawal Bun, uh, <laughs> you know, welcome Clifford Alboague, and you're just like, oh my god, like, and like welcome Pablo Pablo Guede, you're like, oh my god, this team just got ten times. It's like they took some of the best parts of a Morelia side. Or, or I guess Borelia, Borelia, they, they took um, the best, but obviously the best part, but Morelia side through Pablo Guede, and then they went over to Guerrero and got the best parts of their side. And it's just, it's, it's, it's like this weird, it's, uh, I think someone called it, um, oh, what do they call it? It was like, like, it's like Choloretaro or something like that. Like that, <laughs> that's, it's Choloretaro with the best part of like Borelia through Pablo Guede. And it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you can't, you can't overlook them, you know, and they have already had some, they already have some decent players in the roster. I mean, Miller Bolaños is fantastic. I think Vladimir Loronia has a potential to become one of the best uh, young fullbacks in the league. So I, I, I think I agree with you. My only worry though, my only, only worry is that I'm, 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 I mean, as someone who, you know, just lives just like up the road, you know, <laughs> like it's about <laughs> right well, right now with no traffic, I think I get to the stadium in about like 25 minutes, but oh. who just lives like up, up the road from, from the Estado Caliente. Um, it, so I, I, I feel like that the one thing I do worry about is that is that their defense could be pretty bad. Because I, I, the one thing I noticed was that they kept bringing in midfielders and they kept bringing on like new attackers, but they didn't. I'm worried that they didn't really fix that back line. And I'm unconvinced by Scholes' central defenders. I mean, I know they... Oh no, I'm drawing on a blank on the new central defender they did bring in, but I'm not entirely convinced by him. So I feel like I, I feel like Cholos are going to allow a lot of goals, and I and I think that that's nothing out of the ordinary for Pablo Guede when it comes to his <laughs> tactics. You know, he's probably they're probably going to allow a lot of goals, but I think them qualifying for the playoffs and potentially being a title contender, it will be determined by how much they compensate by scoring more goals. I know that seems very dumb. It's like, oh, the good team will be good if they score more goals, but it's even more pertinent for Cholos because they're going to allow more than, I think, than, than a number of uh, sides out there. <laughs> I think so. I think, um, you know, having Jonathan Orozco in net is going to help them out a lot. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think Lahoud is a, is a great goalkeeper, but I think he needed a change of scenery. And... Yeah. Orozco is a more than competent replacement uh, for him. Um, so I think that will help. I, I agree, though. I think that the the defense is suspect. Uh, and let's face it, there's a lot of new players there, and it takes time for that many new players to gel. Um, you know, is this something that's going to take three weeks, a, a month, two months? You know, it, the longer if it takes them to... You know, if they're still playing in week eight, week nine, and it doesn't look like they're stringing passes together, and there's a lot of you know missed runs and you know passes to nowhere, then it then it could be time for 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 a lot of worry. But um, you know, I, I, again, I, I just look at all of the new players that they've brought brought in and brought back, and and go, wow, this this team is good. This this is going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. All right, so now let's go with uh, the final. Uh, prediction here for the next uh, league mega season so who is your early favorite for the mvp early favorite for mvp so for me mvp can be on any team it's the most valuable player for that team mm -hmm. and i think 
I think for me, it's got to be um, Julio Forch for Santos. Okay, um, yeah. With um, Brian Lozano being out with a broken leg for the um, for, for the Apertura, at least most, if not all, of the Apertura, it, it, it's going to be on Forch to, to provide the offense for Santos. And, you know, Santos has has been, you know, they've had a, a good few years where they've they've always had a, a top score. Forch had a good year. They had Janini Tavares, um, Brian Lozano for the past couple of seasons. But Forch kind of slipped off when Lozano took on the mantle of scoring. And he really needs to regain that because without that, you know, Santos uh, is really going to be suspect. And, um, you know, if, if he can regain the form that he had, you know, two, three seasons ago, they're going to be fine. Um, if he can't, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think for me, I feel like I have a, a handful of candidates here. And I know we're only supposed to pick one. <laughs> I have a handful of candidates and I feel like depending on how how far, how deep teams make runs towards a title, will potentially be dependent on the performances of these players. And I, I feel like Cavacita obviously stands out just because of his goal-scoring goal scoring form for Cruz Azul. I think Leo Fernandez also uh, stands out to me. I think he could potentially be a game-changer for Tigres and go change them from a side that kind of lumbers their way through the regular season and makes a deep run uh, in the playoffs. I think he could potentially be a player who can give him a little bit more strength and consistency in the regular season, as opposed to the just kind of finally taking charge in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I think Angel Mena, I mean, we, we forget how good, how good of a goal scorer he was for, for Leon. Um, what was it like two or three seasons ago? And I think he looked really, really good last season. I think if, if he really steps up, I think he could really, I think he could really carry Leon pretty far. And then I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card here. I know I'm going through a number of candidates. So this is a little unfair. It's not a true answer, <laughs> but I think that if I think that there is a decent chance that America aren't going to solve their issues, but they will continue to do well and potentially make a deep run in the playoffs thanks to Ochoa. Um, I think it, it wouldn't be that much of a shock to see Ochoa, uh, you know, help save a side that has had a number of defensive issues, and we've seen that before in the past with a number. Of the teams that he's played for, you know, uh, I should say a number, but the handful of teams that he's played for, um, whether whether it be over here in Liga Mekis with, with America, potentially this upcoming season, whether it be uh, when he was abroad uh, in Europe. So I, I think I think he's he's capable of compensating for any issues that they have. You know, maybe America is going to get a number of, you know, low scoring wins or draws and that they could potentially do well in the playoffs. But 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 now if you're asking me for my real answer, I think it's going to be uh I mean, I'm sick. It's an easy answer. It's Cavacita. For me, it's going to be Cavacita Rodriguez. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I know it's a, I know it's an easy one. But I just because that, that was an easy one for me, I felt like I had to go through some other candidates that I, I think could potentially stand out. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cavacita has you know, I mean, he's right now the for me the best player in the league. Um, can he sustain that? And can Cruz Azul sustain that run of form for him? Can they continue providing him? service and can you know guys like Caraglio uh, continue to draw players away from him to allow him space to operate um, I, I don't I don't know um, I think you're right I think that's the easy answer that's why I tried to go in a little bit of a different uh, direction um, <laughs> but, but I, I yeah no you're 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 spot on I mean 
in order to you know in order to be the MVP, you know, for a lot of you know you have to be the best player, and he's been the best player for uh, on any on any team for for the first again what half seven months of this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, if somebody else can come in and and claim that title, you know, by all means, let's let's see it. But until they do, yeah, no, cabecita. Yeah. Agreed. 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 And I'm saying agreed because I was the one who said it too. So I guess I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you agreeing with me. And I think we're all in agreement with each other and myself, I guess. <laughs> so Eugene, uh, I think, I think that's about it for us. Actually, oh, really quickly. I wanted to add, um, uh, there was some just like really quick. There's some league of make use news. Uh, so due to the five subs rule, um, you can, league of make use teams can now have 10 players on the bench as opposed to seven. Um, the rule uh, also still stands that a maximum of nine no formados Mexico or basically uh, foreigners can be in a starting 11 for Liga Mekis club. So yeah, maximum of in quotes f- foreigners uh, in an 11. And also it recently came out that transfers loans um, a bit between Liga Mekis clubs uh, and, I, and I guess also for bringing players in from abroad too, they could be now made up until October 5th. So that's around the end of week 13 so so quick little league of Mechies news there but once again uh yep that's it for us we're close to the hour mark uh you did any any other final thoughts before we close out no um i you know I, I am looking forward to to the season i am looking forward to some sort of normalcy um i hope it goes smoothly i hope you know for for everybody involved from players to to team staff to to officials uh, everybody is able to stay safe and healthy, uh, and this goes for for the listeners too. Man, wear a mask, wash your hands, uh, keep six feet away or more, um, behave yourselves. Yeah, agreed. And uh, for for our listeners, where where can they follow you online? Um, you can follow me at Colasso del Gringo on Twitter. Uh, I'm usually found uh, there, and follow my work both at FMF State of Mind and at Footmax Nation. I'm looking forward to uh, returning uh, once the league starts back up and doing my uh, my weekly uh, column uh, for Footmax Nation. Most definitely. Looking forward to that. And obviously, uh, give him a follow, and also be sure to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. So that's at Mex Soccer Show on Twitter and at The Mexican Soccer Show on Instagram. And uh, most importantly, please feel free to give us any ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. You know, we don't we don't charge for these pods. They're all free. And the only thing we ask of you is to give us some love through reviews, follows, retweets, and sharing these episodes with your friends. So once again, thank you. Thanks to Eugene. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you next week uh, for on Monday's episode of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you around.